You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Jesus is the central focus of everything we do in life and ministry. Know more about this truth in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. You know, we are celebrating 30 years of uh, honoring God and making disciples join us because I got saved in 1986. That was the second batch of the outreach of some American students coming back to the Philippines. And uh, it was really amazing how God has you know, come and built this church basically by His grace. Of course, it was through a strategy that He's given us and that is really all about discipleship. And you're, you're very much familiar with what we stand for as a church. And so what we want to do in the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at the core values uh, that we have as a movement. Now, uh, when you talk about core values, maybe some, some of you have gone to uh, maybe ancient Greece or some of those old cities in the Middle East or maybe uh, in, in Europe, and you will find that some of the ruins that they have uh, consist of pillars. And uh, you're maybe familiar with the Parthenon and you know, some of the things that were just left behind are pillars of those massive structures when they were still being used. But nowadays, they are just merely pillars because the pillars are the ones that hold the structure of the building. And normally, they're the ones that last. So uh, we consider these core values as the pillars. Uh, everybody say pillars. The pillars of our movement. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at the five core values that we have as a church and so that you can better understand uh, how it is uh, that we have, you know, that God has brought us through the years. The first pillar that we will be looking at, which is today, is the pillar of lordship. Everybody say lordship. And with these pillars, or with this core value, uh, you'll be hearing some of the, what we call the apostolic sayings, or some uh, statements that basically describe this core value. So every time uh, we say the word lordship, you know, what we used to have uh, then when we started until now is really what we say is Jesus, period. Everybody say Jesus, period. Okay, Jesus and period. Okay, period. So I remember when I was... Uh, a new Christian when I would go to church. And what we had then was a church in Makati. We were meeting in a place called Anson Arcade that is no longer existing right now. Okay? I think they changed it into a condominium. And Anson Arcade used to be the home of a restaurant called Saisaki on the second floor along Pasay Road. Okay? Before it became Saisaki, that was victory. And uh, I remember when we were meeting there, it was... You know, uh, it was a very, of course, uh, uh, simple beginnings. We didn't have uh, these LCD screens or LED screens. You know, we used to have overhead projectors at that time. But we have one banner that stands in the middle of that auditorium, and it's all the banner says is Jesus, period. It's a reminder for us that Jesus is our master. He is our ruler. Jesus is Lord. How many of you have heard of this uh, word, Jesus is Lord? Some of you, okay, yeah. It'll be good to at least nod your head. So I know if you're listening, okay. So Lordship really talks about, you know, Jesus himself being the one, calling the shots, and we're going to look at that uh, more in a while. The second core value we'll be looking at, um, which is next week, is the core value of evangelism. In here, we would say that we value the lost. Now, how many of here were once lost, but now you're found. Can you please raise your hand? How many of you are thankful to the Lord that you have been found? Look at the person beside you and tell that person, be grateful, okay, that you have been found or else you're still going to be lost, okay? And I believe that the reason why we're found is because somebody reached out to us by maybe sharing the gospel to us or by maybe sharing the testimony or by maybe inviting us to a small group or maybe inviting us to this church and how many of you know that God normally uses people to reach out to other people, right? He will not use angels to reach out to people. In some instances, yes. Normally, God will use us. Tell the person beside you, God will use you. God will use you, okay? God will use us to evangelize and reach out to lost people. And normally, what we say here in evangelism is 99 and 1. And God, Jesus himself, used an analogy or a story wherein he actually left his 99 sheep in order for him to look for the one sheep that was lost. 
And how many of you know that one point in our life, we were that one lost sheep. And God left the 99 and searched for us. That's why we are all part of the spiritual family right now. The third is discipleship. We're all familiar with this word, right? Discipleship. All we say in this uh, church, we honor God and make disciples. Very good class, okay? You, you always hear that. We, we value discipleship. We take serious the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, it says, Go and make disciples of all nations. You know, we've, we've, uh, you know, we've heard some of the apostolic saying, when, when some of the early pastors would say to us, you know, a Bible and a passport. You need a Bible and a passport. You know, if you are really serious about becoming a Christian, they would encourage us, get a Bible. Now, how many of you have a Bible? Please raise your hand. Whatever, in whatever form, a paper Bible or a digital Bible. And a passport. How many of you have a passport? Please raise your hand. Okay. Half of you. Okay. Why do we need a Bible? We need the Bible in order to know the will of God. We need the passport in order to obey the will of God, which is to go and make disciples of all nations, right? How will you go to the nations if you don't have a passport? It's, it's that simple, okay? So we took that seriously, okay? Discipleship, we have this statement, uh, every member, a minister. We believe that God will anoint us, that God will use us. God will use every one of you, believe it or not. Me? God will use me? Yes, you. I'm talking to you, okay? You may not be a full-time pastor. Your calling card may not say Victory Christian Fellowship or Victory Alabang or pastor or whatever. Your card may be saying you're a bank executive or maybe you're, a, you're, you're, you're working in, a, uh, in an, uh, a call center or maybe you're working in Jollibee or McDonald's or whatever, but yet God considers you as a minister. Can you once again look at the person beside you and tell that person you are a minister? Yeah, believe it or else, okay? You are a minister. We are a minister because the Holy Spirit in us, and I believe that you're convinced. How many of you have the Holy Spirit in you? How many of you know that God did not give us a baby Holy Spirit? There's no such a thing, no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit, right? He gives us the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that we have as pastors is resident in you. And guess what? If God can use us, He will use you. So it's that simple. Discipleship. Next word is leadership. Everybody say leadership. leadership. You know, this, is where, this is where we say one chapter ahead. As long as you're one chapter ahead of your disciple, you are able to lead that person in your walk with Christ. We value the campus. Last week, we uh, ended our short series on young people. And how many of you appreciate you know, the fact that God will use young people, as young as they are, leading us in worship, uh, we had John Biron uh, share the word last, uh, last Sunday, okay? a young person. And we believe that the young people in our campuses today will become our future leaders. We believe in leadership. God called us specifically to reach out to future leaders. And the question is, where will you find future leaders in the schools of today? That's why we are in the campuses. More of that in the next few weeks. And the last thing that we value so much is what we call family. How many of you are so grateful to the Lord for your own family? Both natural family and spiritual family because we value family. You'd hear us from this church always saying we will, we will not, not sacrifice our families on the altar of success or, or on the altar of ministry. And so those are, us, those are the five core values that we have as a movement and this has been you know, entrusted to us by God uh, from day one, from the very beginning, when we started as a, as a church. And you know, 30 years after, we are still obeying and we are still uh, you know, using this same mission and vision and values in order for us to obey the Great Commission. Can we see those five core values once again? One, two, three. Lordship, evangelism, discipleship, leadership, and family. Today, we're going to be focusing on, on lordship, as I said earlier. And in lordship, sometimes we look at Christianity as a one-sided coin. How many of you know that the coin has two sides? Right? The left and the right? Do you know what Or heads or tails? Tatagalog, kara or cruz, right? You know, normally Christianity has been looked at only as on one side. And that's the problem today. We've viewed Christianity as just a blessing kind of a religion. 
that we enter Christianity because we want to get blessed. We enter Christianity because of the promise that God gave us. You know, I heard a theologian say that there are about 8,000 promises in the Bible. Another one saying that there are 13,000 promises in the Bible. I haven't really checked it myself. I haven't counted one by one, those promises. But how many of you are glad and thankful for the promises of God in the Bible applicable to our lives, right? And some of these promises we memorize. For example, Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you know that by heart. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to what? Prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know that. We want that. How many of you are claiming for that every day? And that's great. Okay? And we want that. And that's, that's awesome. Okay? We, that's part of our life. We pray for that on a daily basis. Another promise that we can probably pray for is maybe from Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And our God will supply all our needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Okay, so, so every time we have a promise, you know, God bless us. You know, we're praying for provision. How many of you know the, there's a promise of provision? He gives us the ability to produce wealth. If you need healing, He promises healing for us, right? But how many of you know that part of Christianity is also sacrifice? There's also denial of self. There's also carrying your cross. How many of you have seen a man carrying the cross? Right? If you live in the first century, in the streets of Jerusalem, if you see a man carrying a cross, that is not a door-to-door cross salesman. That man is on his way to his death. A man carrying the cross. That's why when Jesus said, if you want to come follow me, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. What he is saying is, if you come follow me, you have to be ready to die. And that is really the element and the statement and the message of lordship. Now, this may not be a familiar message that you want to hear every time. But I believe that we need to hear this because God really wants us to know the whole gospel and not just a part of it. Okay? So I'd like to invite everyone to stand tonight as we read uh, one verse from Acts chapter 2. In verse 36, Acts 2, 36. Since this is just one verse, I'd like to invite you to read along with me, okay? With your beautiful voices here tonight, okay? Are you ready? Okay, ready? One, two, three. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For this evening, bless the preaching of your word. May we understand what the essence of you being our Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to us, open up our hearts, and may we understand how we are called to obey as your children. Bless this time together, Lord, with your wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. Acts chapter 2, basically is the inaugural sermon of Peter after waiting for a few days in the upper room together with the other apostles. They were basically hiding, but they were waiting. And uh, Jesus told them, you know, don't leave until you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And after receiving the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, you know, Peter preached a powerful message. One message, 3,000 people get saved, and they were all convicted. And basically, Peter declared, you know, let all Israel be assured of this, that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified. You know, Jesus had just died, he was resurrected, and he ascended into heaven, and yet he declared, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. You know, we're so familiar with the word Christ. Jesus Christ. By the way, Jesus Christ. Christ is not his surname and Jesus is his first name. Because you might be wondering, oh, Jesus Christ, okay? Last name is Christ. No, Christ means anointed one. It means Messiah. It means Savior. We're familiar with the Savior part, right? How many of you have Jesus as your Savior? How many of you appreciate Jesus saving us from our sins? I appreciate that. 
I'm grateful for that. Every single day, I thank the Lord that I'm not going to hell anymore. Praise God. How many of you are grateful for that? How many of you would like to go to hell? None of us, right? We're grateful that God, thank you for saving me. In fact, this is the very essence of why He came here on earth. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says that He came here as Emmanuel, God with us, to save His people from their sins. He's our Savior. He not only saved us to go to heaven, but He, but he saved us from the, from the sins okay, that has trapped us in. But another thing that describes Jesus is He is not only Christ, but He is Lord. In fact, if you look at the book of Acts, and if you count the number of times Christ, our Savior, was mentioned, you'll only find out that there are two times or twice in the book of Acts where in the word Christ was mentioned. And only 24 times in the whole New Testament or in the word Christ or Savior was mentioned. But guess how many times the word Lord was mentioned in the, uh, the book of Acts? 92 times. 92. And in the book of the, the, whole, te- in the whole New Testament, okay, it's mentioned 747, 747. You know what that means? Maybe some of you are saying, eh, ano ngayon, pastor, di ba? I'm glad you asked. It means that God wants to put more emphasis in this name, Lord, more than this name, Christ. Yes, Christ is important. Messiah is important. Being our Savior, it is important. But I believe that God wants us to understand tonight that Him being Lord is even of a greater importance. That every single day that we are, we ought to look at Jesus not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. In fact, there's the name of the church. You know, we're familiar as I, as, as, as I asked earlier. You know, we're so familiar with this statement: Jesus is Lord. Everybody say Jesus is Lord. And I hope that it is not just a statement that we say religiously. I hope and I pray that this is a reality. In our lives. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter um, 10, it says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is what? Lord. It didn't say that Jesus is Christ or Jesus is Messiah. It says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that He is raised again from the dead, then we are saved. In fact, when you look at Lordship, it is directly you know, it, it impacts our salvation. And I believe that it's so important for us to understand what Lord really means. If you go to the Old Testament, you know, the Old Testament in our Bible were originally written in the Hebrew language. And if you notice the word Lord, you'll probably see this uh, many times quoted. What it means is it's Adonai. Everybody say Adonai. You probably heard of this name. It's the title of God. You notice that the word Lord here is spelled as capital L, small letter O, small R, small D. And this talks about the title of God, Adonai. When you take, talk about Lord Jesus, He is Adonai. Okay? He is, it's the title of God. It's like the title of the president, President Benigno Aquino, something like that. Okay? It's His title in Hebrew. But you'll find out from time to time that there's another way that the Lord is written, and it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What does that mean? In Hebrew, it's divine. Okay? It's being personal. It's actually His own personal name. It's not just a title. It's who He is. It's His covenantal name. It's the way He revealed His name to the people. In fact, in Hebrew, his word, the word Lord is how many of you can, can read that? Or Yahweh. Yeah. Or I am. And this is the very name that, G, uh, that God used when He revealed his, uh, Himself to Moses. If you're familiar with the book of Exodus, when, how many of you remember the story of Moses in the burning bush? When Moses, was, uh, when Moses saw a bush that's burning and it's being uh, burnt up, you know, the Lord appeared there and he spoke to him, basically gave him instruction, and Moses asked, Whom shall I say sent me? And the Lord said, I am. Say to them, I am sent you. I am who I am. And that's the name of God. 
That's Lord in the Old Testament. But what is Lord in the New Testament? The New Testament is written in Greek. The word Lord in Greek is kurios. Everybody say kurios. What does this mean? It doesn't mean that you're curious or inquisitive. Okay? It means master. Everybody say master. It means he is our master. Not in the hazing or master kind. Okay? That's a different one. Okay? Or supreme authority. Or controller, or God. As I said earlier, you know, when you talk about lordship, lordship really is essential for salvation. You know, having Jesus Christ as Savior is only one part of the equation. But understanding that Jesus is Lord really completes the picture of our salvation. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, it says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is, there's a direct link of our salvation with lordship. That's why we need to understand it. It's so important. True lordship or salvation results in the way we surrender our lives to the lordship of Jesus. When we know how to surrender our life, and you know, I believe that God is asking every one of us to surrender. Now, how many of you appreciate that salvation is free? Right? There's nothing that we can do to pay for our salvation. Nothing. Jesus Christ paid it all, right? That's why we sing these songs, you know, It Is Finished. By the way, these are some of the songs that we've been singing in church lately, and this will be part of the Victory Worship album that will be released sometime in August. So uh, look forward to that. Okay, We'll be releasing also from time to time some uh, video on YouTube so that you'll be familiar with our songs, our very own songs, uh, that were written by our own artists in our church here uh, in Victory. Okay? Lord. What does it mean? We want to look at Lord. You know, what it, you know how this now translates to us on a daily basis. What does Lord really mean? Okay? First, it talks about loyalty. Everybody say loyalty. Loyalty, if you define loyalty, is a strong feeling of allegiance. You see in the picture, these are soldiers. They're, you know, giving their allegiance to the Philippine flag. And how many of you are proud that you are a Filipino? I hope we are, right? And how many of you know the last line of the Lupang Hiniran? Ang mamatay ng dahil sa'yo. Right? May we sing that song? We're familiar with that song. But do we really live it? Do we really mean it? Are you really ready to die? For your country. If you receive a draft to go to the West Philippine Sea and defend our territorial boundaries against the mega countries that are against us, and the, the Philippine government will bring you there with our high tech uh, Philippine Navy vessels and bring you there, how many of you will volunteer? Wala. You just sang that song. Ang mamatay ng dahil. You know, sometimes it's kind of like that. We say something, but we're not really ready to give our lives to what we sing. You know what, when you talk about loyalty, loyalty is giving allegiance to the point of dying and giving your life for the cause of what you believe. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, it says, He Jesus was the one who's saying this, and I quote, He who is not with me is what? Is against me. It's either you're for Jesus on his side, or you're against him. There's no demilitarized zone. And sometimes what we do is, we're asking the Lord, Lord, are you for me or against me? No, you're asking the wrong question. He should be the one asking you. Are you for him or are you against him? Because... He's there. He's the stable God controller that we need to follow and we need to obey. He will not budge, right? You know, I remember a story that I heard many, many years back, and I'm trying to recall the details. There were two vessels in the middle of the uh, sea one time. It was hazy and foggy, and they were actually in collision with each other. And in one of the vessels, because they were in direct, you know, they, it seems like they're, they're in direct 
collision. Okay? And so one of the vessels warned the other vessel and he said, you know, this is the United States Navy and I want you to turn north 10 degrees. And the other uh, light says, our vessel, this is, you know, also from the United States and I would like you to turn 10 degrees south. And the other guy said, you don't understand, my boy. This is Admiral Brown. And I'm telling you right now, this is an order. I want you to turn 10 degrees north. And the other vessel said, this is Corporal. This is Corporal Ryan saying, I want you, sir, to turn 10 degrees south. And the other one said, you don't understand, my boy. This is Commander Brown from the USS Abraham Lincoln. We are an aircraft, the second largest aircraft in the United States Navy. And we tell you right now, turn 10 degrees north. You don't understand, sir. I am Corporal Ryan. And I'm telling you to turn 10 degrees south because I am a lighthouse. <laughs> Some of you will get it after a few seconds. Anyway. You cannot steer at a lighthouse, obviously. It's that ship that needs to move. And sometimes we feel like that ship. And we're telling the Lord, Lord, do this for me. Are you for me? Or are you against me? Lord, I have this situation in my office. Are you for me? Or are you against me? Lord, we're playing basketball against this team. Are you for us? Amy Christian din sa kabila eh. So, pareho kayo nag- are you for us or are you for them? Parehong Christian team. Neither. We're to give our loyalty to the Lord. Amen. Because we need to understand that that is what loyalty is all about. You know, there's a story uh, among the U.S. cabinet members of uh, uh, then-President Lyndon Johnson. And there's this guy, his name is, uh, he serves as one of the cabinets. His name is John Kenneth Galbraith. And one day, as he was serving as a cabinet, he went home and he said to his uh, helper, his maid, you know, I'm so tired today because of work and I want to just take a, you know, an, a short nap. And this is my instruction to you. If anyone calls me on the phone, tell them I'm taking a nap. I will not, I will not receive anybody on the phone. Is that clear? Sir, yes, sir. So he went up and Emily Watson just made sure that he uh, got discovered. Now, President Lyndon Johnson, after a, a, an hour, called Kenneth Galbraith, in the phone. Uh, hello, this is uh, the president, Lyndon Johnson. May I speak to Mr. Ken Galbraith? And Emily was the one who answered the phone. Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but Mr. Galbraith is taking a nap right now. And this, uh, and, and this is actually true, true sorry. Uh, and President Lyndon Johnson said, you don't understand, ma'am. This is the president of the United States, Lyndon Johnson. I want to speak to Mr. Ken Galbraith. And the maid said, You understand, sir, I work for him, not for you. <laughs> How many of you know that that is loyalty? You are no respecter of persons. And when Ken found out about what happened, this is a real story from the memoirs of Ken Galbraith. He was just so, you know, ashamed of what, how the maid treated the president. And the president called again. Ken, uh, Ken, uh, Ken Galbraith, and he said, who was that girl that answered the phone? I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry for her conduct. You know, I, I'm going to talk to her right after we hang up. No, no, no. You call her because I want her to work for the White House. <laughs> because he realized he needed a girl as loyal as that girl. And you know what? Sometimes loyalty can actually cost us something. It can even cost us our lives. And as I was doing my study in this particular topic, I remember the story of these young three Hebrew boys. Maybe you're familiar in the story of, uh, in the book of Daniel, there's these Hebrew boys that were exiled from Jerusalem and they were sent to Babylon. And their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were young, handsome Hebrew boys. If you have sons, you can name after your sons after them. Shadrach, okay? Meshach, and Abednego. And they were instructed by King Nebuchadnezzar to worship, a, I think, a 90-foot idol 
or else they will be thrown in the fiery furnace. Everyone in the kingdom, all the young men, bowed down and worship except these three and, of course, Daniel. When the king found out, he was so furious. He called upon them and he said, I'm going to give you a chance to bow down at the, at the idols I've set up. And I'm going to say to all the, the trumpeteers to raise the, the horns and the trumpets. And at the sound of the trumpet, you're supposed to bow down. And this is what the three Hebrew boys said. O King Nebuchadnezzar, we want you to know that we will not bow down to your idol because we know that our God will save us. And then they added, but even if he does not save us, we will still not bow down to the idol that you've set up. How many of you will have that kind of attitude before the king? And the king was so mad, he had them thrown into the fiery furnace, and he heated it even seven times more, and even those guys who threw the, the, the three boys were burnt. And when the king tried to look what's inside the fiery furnace, he was counting, didn't we throw three men? Why is there four men walking? And there was, a, there was a fourth guy who was like the son of God walking, and he was the one protecting the three guys. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went out of the fiery furnace, guess what? They did not even smell like smoke. And how many of you know that if we are loyal to God, He will be loyal to us in saving us and delivering us from whatever problem that we have? Amen. Loyalty. When you look at lordship, it speaks of loyalty. Second word is obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience to his word. Now, how many, how many of you sometimes, if you're going to be honest, how many of you sometimes have a hard time obeying the Lord? Ako lang ba? Diba? there are some times nahihirapan tayo, but what? Even if we're having a hard time, we just do it. Jesus was asking the Lord, his, his Father, Lord, if you can just take this cup away from me. Parang nag-aalangan siya dun sa cross. Yet he declared, not my will, but your will. Ultimately, even if we don't feel like doing it, we do it. That is what obedience means. It says in Matthew, or sorry, in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In other words, even if it's inconvenient, we obey. You know, sometimes... When we get to pray to the Lord, Lord, we get, you, you make a deal before God. Lord, you know what? I'll, I'll bless you. I'll give you my tithe if you bless me first. You know, I promise you I'm going to give in the offering if you bless me first. I promise you, Lord, I'm going to forgive this guy if he changes first. Guess what? We just need to obey. God says to give the tithe. God says to forgive and to love our enemies. You know, to, to bless those who persecute you. And how many of you have prayed for those who persecute you? Lord, kunin mo na silang lahat. You're praying for them. Lord, bring them to hell or whatever. No, you bless them. That's what the Bible says. You bless them. Even if it's hard, forgive them. Peter one time was asking the Lord, Lord, how many times shall I forgive? Seven times. Maybe somebody in the group offended him six times already. And he was counting, isa ka na lang, isa na lang. And Jesus said, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, it's not, it's not just 490 times. It's as many times as it would take. Just learn to make forgiveness as a lifestyle. And how many of you know that this is hard? We get offended. People make, make wrongs against us, commit mistakes against us, and sometimes they offend us. Sometimes they do sin against us. But the Bible says, here we are. We're called to forgive. It's a reality check. Are we willing to obey God even if it's inconvenient? Are we willing to obey God even if it will actually lose our account because you will not compromise? Are you willing to obey God and offend your boss if your boss is asking you to compromise and lie before the BIR? It's not a popular stand. But God is calling us to obey his word. Amen. And I believe that if we honor God by obeying His word, He will be the one to make sure that our reward will be there. And sometimes you don't even see the reward here right now. 
the reward may, ta- may, may tarry for a while, but it's all about faith because it's not about what we can get from God. Ultimately, it's about the honor and the glory of God. Before we continue, I'd like to show you this short video of a testimony of one of our members in our Victory Church. Let's roll this video. Ang dami mong tanong, bakit hindi ako katulad ng iba? Bakit iba'y gusto ko? Itong dito ako, inusok ko ng damit pang babae. Sinubukan ko talaga, kompleto sa mascara, eyeliner, at lipstick. Pero sabi ko, hindi ako babae. Lalaki ako. Magpapakalalaki ako. Nagkaroon ako ng girlfriend. Pero naghiwalay din kami. Hindi ko maintindihan. Sino ba talaga ako? Sino ba talaga si Ari? May mga kaklase ako na palagi nag-i-invite sa akin sa isang youth service. Sumama ko, Baka dito ko mahanap yung sagot. May kulang talaga sa akin eh. Hindi ko alam kung ano. Baka dito mahanap yung kukumpleto sa akin. Pagkatapos ng service, sumali din ako sa group nila. Nandiyaga ng victory group leader. Kinulungan niya akong maintindihan. Sino si Jesus? Sino ako? Aking pasasalamat ko na natagpuan ako ni Jesus. Ako siya rin. Hindi na ako nagdadalang isip pa. Wala nagpagaanin lang sa puso ko. Inapon ko na lahat ng mga damit pang babae kasi hindi yun ang para sa akin. Sa akong lalaki na ginawa nito, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. When I met Jesus, everything changed. Praise God. At ako si Ariel din. Pero ibang story ako. And you know, it, take, it takes guts for Ariel Benayo to leave his former lifestyle of being a homosexual. He realized that God made him to be a man. And it ultimately took an obedient heart to say to, an, to a God, to a, lo, to a Lord, who's asking Him, will you be the man that I have called you to be? And how many of you know that is a great story? Amen. God delivers us. God changes us. God is the one that gives us victory in our life. The next is repentance. You know, God calls us to repent of our sins. Repentance from sin is what is required if you are serious in making Jesus as the Lord of your life. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. This is actually the challenge of the Lord Jesus against the, the Pharisees because they, are, you know, they have a lot of hypocrisies and they're so concerned about their outward appearance and how they look good before the people, but yet there's no internal change that leads to a lasting change. That's why Jesus said, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, do people see the change in your life when you say Jesus is Lord? When you say that you're a Christian, the question is, are you, you know, a great testimony when, Jesus, when, when people see you, do they see lasting change? Will they actually verify that your life is no longer the same life that you were living before? You know, when I got saved in uh, 1986 as a sophomore student, you know, I, my, my, my life was radically changed. Though, growing up, I was basically what people would say, a good boy. I was a good boy, very religious, and you know, I would always go to Mass. I would serve in the church there in, uh, in BF as, as one of the altar boys. You know, that's a, like a regular thing for me. I was, I was an honor student growing up. And so when I got saved, it's quite, you know, yeah, I know in my heart that God changed my life, and I know that there's a change because I'm no longer basing my salvation on what I do. But yet, on the outside, people probably said, eh, okay ka naman eh. But my brother is a bit different. When I got saved, a week after, I shared my testimony to my brother, Bernard. And when I shared my testimony, basically, he gave his heart to the Lord as well. I brought him to church. He got baptized right there and then. And really, totally, his life was turned around. Now, Bernard is a different story. Bernard loves to play. He doesn't want to study he loves to have barkada. In fact, he's part of a group in Tahanan Village called the Litro Boys. 
Be imaginative what that means. He's always out. I always cover for him. You know, sometimes he would go out 3 o'clock in the morning telling me, Kuya, bahala ka na muna sa akin. And I don't know where he's going. And so that was like that. And so when he got saved, can you imagine? There was a life change. There was a total turnaround. And my, my parents said, there must be a God. <laughs> and so my parents were a bit concerned first before they found, because they found out we're going to a Christian church. And we're going to this church called, uh, you know, in Mahati, in Victory. And so he, they, they secretly sent a priest to check us out, maybe wearing uh, civilian clothes. And so when the priest uh, reported what happened, he said, you know what? Your, what your sons are doing is okay. You know, I checked out. They're singing good songs. They're listening to the preaching. And if, they, if it changed and it helped them transform in their life, I think you should con- let them continue what they're doing. You know, after three months, both my parents got saved because of the changed life that they have seen in, in their sons. Amen. Praise God. And that is the effect of repentance. My question is, do people see the change in our life? You see the sign, you turn. That is really what it means when you're saying you repent. Repent comes from the Greek word metanoia. Everybody say metanoia. Metanoia means to change, to have a change of mind that leads to a change of action. And that is the key word here, change. Everybody say change. change. Tell the person beside you, change. Okay? Sa Tagalog, magbago ka, di ba? And so here, we see that there's a U-turn. What happens is when we get saved, when we put Christ as Lord of our life, what happens is, once we were walking this way, this path of sin, and when we are convicted, what we do is we do a U-turn or a 180-degree turn and leave the way of sin and live a new life for God. You do a 180-degree, right? Don't do a 360-degree because you're back where you started. Repentance is very important. Let's watch this next video and you're going to be encouraged with this. Ako si Jabet, 20 years old, nasampahan ng kaso dahil sa pangbububog. Ibuwi yung mundo ko nung araw na yun. Nung tumatakbo sa isip ko nung nangyari yung pagkakataon na yun, sobrang natatakot ako. Iniisip ko kapag nakulong ako, masisira yung takbo ng buhay ko. Masisira lahat ng mga pangarap ko. Parang natatakot ako maranasan yung makapasok sa loob ng isang kulungan. Nalaman ng mga classmate ko na nasampahan ako ng kaso ng serious physical injury. Alam nila na wala akong pambayad, kaya yung ginawa ng mga classmate ko, nag-ambagan sila para mapiyansahan nila ako. Doon ko nalaman na tunay silang kaibigan, na may malasakit sila sa akin, na mapagmahal silang kaibigan. Yung sitwasyon ngayon, yung nangyari sa buhay ko, ay yung ginamit ni Lord para mapalabit ako sa kanya, para makilala ko siya. Yung pinaka-nakakatawa din, yung schoolmate ko na binubuli ko, siya pa yung mismo yung nagwantuan sa akin. Siya pa yung nag-disciple sa akin. Ngayon, naglilid na rin ako ng sarili kong victory group. Sa victory group, nasishare ko yung buhay ko kung paano binago ni Lord yung buhay ko. At sobrang nasatas sila kapag nalaman nila na ganun tao ako dati. Amen. Iba talaga si Ariel, grabe. God is amazing, amen. And He is in the business of transforming our lives. You know, this guy used to be a, a bully, and what's really ironic was the person he's bullying is now the one ministering to him. And he's no longer afraid of him because he has Jesus in his heart. Repentance, a changed heart, a changed lifestyle, a changed mind. And I believe that every time we declare Jesus is Lord, we allow His work in our hearts to do a transforming power so that we will be changed not only on the behavior, but He will change our hearts so that it will manifest externally and you will actually have a brand new way of life. And the last thing I want to share is death to self. What does it mean for lordship to happen in our lives? It means simply die. How many of you are willing to die? Wala. But that is a calling that God wants us to have. 
you know, he's, he's actually, you know, it's so ironic because we were given eternal life. But yet, what's the kingdom paradox is those who find their life will lose it and the, those who will lose their life for my sake will find it. Nowadays, we have what we call the me, me, me generation or call, it's another word is the selfie generation. How many of you know what the selfie is? Aside from you taking your own personal picture, like for example, later, diba? in your uh, dinner, you're going to take a selfie. I don't know, maybe if you're going to be ordering a crispy pata, okay? you're like, you know, you're going to put your face beside a crispy pata. Yeah! So, good life. You know, the good life. And so, yeah, it, it, it's a description of what people do nowadays. They are so me-oriented. The me, me, me generation really is concerned about what's in it for me. The me, the my, and the mine. We're concerned about, bless me, Lord. Bless me, bless me, bless me. It's all about God just blessing us. And guess what? God has blessed us already. The question is, are you blessing Him back? Is God blessed back with our life? When the way you live, the way you treat your wife, the way you raise up your kids, the way you do your work, the way you do your school, are you blessing God back with your lifestyle? It's not a question of God blessing us. He's a faithful God. Amen. When God gives us a promise, He's not a man that He should lie. He will fulfill that promise. When God gives us a word, it will not go back and return to Him void. It will accomplish the purpose for what it was sent for. Amen. He is a good God. The question is, are we blessing Him? The question is, are we living our life for Him? He gave His life for us already. There's nothing more that He would held that He hasn't given us. Are we willing to give our life back to Him? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I said earlier, when you see somebody carrying the cross, that person is on his way to his death. He is not just using that as an ornament for his kitchen in the home. He is carrying that cross on the way to Golgotha or Calvary and is going to be crucified and eventually he will die. And God, Jesus himself said, you serious in following me? You want to be a disciple? Pick up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Follow me. What is Jesus saying here? Die to your desires. Die to your sins. Die to your lusts. Die to your lies. Die to your double standards. Die to your dishonesty. Die to something that is not honoring to the Lord. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. This is one of those kingdom paradoxes that we need to live by. And yet, if we give our life to the Lord, guess what? We will find it back and even be blessed more. Loyalty, obedience, repentance, death to self. In reality, you know, we need to give our full 100%. If Jesus is not Lord of, at all, of all, He is not Lord at all. You know, many times when you offer God, Lord, I've given you 90% already, that's enough. I'll just keep my 10%. Or, or sige na nga, Lord, deal na nga, 95%, I'll keep my 5 Or sige na nga, Lord, 99, na, 99 na yan. I'll keep my 1 That very thing that you're keeping is what He is interested in. Remember the rich young ruler? He said, Lord, what must I do to enter eternal life, to have eternal life? Oh, this is, you do this, you do this, you do this. Lord, I did every one of those since I was a child. Oh, one thing you lack, Jesus said. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. He was rich and money was his idol. He was not willing to give that up. He gave everything up except his money. How many singles do we have in this place? Can you please raise your hand. Singles? Single? Wow. How many of you hope to be married one day? Marriage is great, by the way. Okay, I am married myself. But can you imagine, what if your fiancé would promise you, guess what, love? I promise you to be faithful to you 364 days in a year. But just give me one day, one day long, 
for me to go out and fool around with my old girlfriends. Would you marry a guy like that? I don't think so, right? Okay, I think I'm asking too much. I will be faithful to you. 364 and 23 hours. I'll just have one hour, one hour long for me to fool around and go and do my thing with my former flings. Would you marry a guy like that? I don't think so. We expect people to be loyal to us and give us everything we have from our hearts. What about the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Amen. We need to give everything we have for Him, to live for Him, for His honor, for His glory. Amen. Praise God. What is Lord? In summary, really, Lord is being loyal to Him, obeying His word, repenting for our sins, from our sins, and dying or denying oneself. You know, as I share my final point, really, my final point is actually a point. Where's my point? There's my point. It's a period. My final point is a period, and a period denotes completion. A period denotes a full stop. It denotes conclusion. It denotes and expresses finality. It talks about the end of the matter. And what is the end of the matter here? It's Jesus, period. He is the supreme being. He is the all in all. He is my only love. He is the one who calls the shots. He is my boss. He is the one who's sovereign. He is controller. He is God. Jesus, period. That is what Lordship is all about, guys. The question is, are we going to live our life for His glory and for His honor? Going back to what Pastor Steve did when he first had his office in a Dunkin' Donuts store along Recto Avenue. He was praying to the Lord, Lord, as I build this ministry, how will I build it? And he wrote in a table, on a table napkin these words, we exist to honor God. And that's the very essence of why we live, why we live. It's because it's all for the glory and the honor of God. We don't play church, guys. In everything we do, we will honor God. In our families, we will honor God. In our workplace, we will honor God. In our schools, we will honor God. Among our relationships with the opposite sex, we will honor God and keep our purity. With our promises, with our words, we will honor God. Amen? Praise God. Can we just give the Lord praise tonight? We hope you were inspired by that message. Read more about the Victory's 30th anniversary celebration by visiting our website at www.victoryalabang.org and joining us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Happy anniversary and stay connected.